Welcome to Transition Gadgets 360's Gaming and Pop Culture podcast. In today's episode we'll be talking about a whole bunch of games including Destiny 2, Shadow of War, Player Unknowns Battlegrounds, some gaming console updates as well, uh, particularly from Xbox One X. And we also heard some news about FIFA 18, PES 18 and 2K shared some rather disturbing news. So I guess that's why Pranay sounds depressed on the podcast today. Yeah, and so does Mike. Yeah. All right, so that was the games editor Rishi Alwani. Just say hello. Greetings ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And a uh, friend of the podcast Mikhail Mandani is also here. Yes, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm your host Pranay Parab, united with Mike in suffering from a pretty bad cold. United, why not Arsenal? <gasps> Don't go there. <laughs> Look, man, this was a pause that be like Liverpool doesn't mean, you know. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, so let's start with uh, Destiny 2. What's happening? So the game, uh, as of the, this recording of the podcast, Destiny Two, Destiny 2 is finally live. For those of you who don't know, it's uh, the sequel to 2014's best five on ten game, an open world. I mean, a shared world shooter, which was well pretty good at launch and then suffered well from the lack of content and got better much later. Um, yeah, so Destiny Two is finally out. Uh, we haven't had a chance to play it just yet because it's uh, just unlocked right now, and. Uh, it's uh, i mean early impressions seem to be positive but then you know uh, early reviews and reviews in progress went up yesterday uh, some sites going to the extent of calling it destiny without the bullshit which basically implies there's less grinding uh, less drama and more accessibility to get to where you want to be in the game but uh, yeah i mean i'm saving my uh, reservations and my th- opinions on this till i actually play it myself um what's interesting though is that the india price has come down a bit Earlier we had reported that it's going to be four thousand five hundred, but uh, the distributor has confirmed to us that yes, the price is now four one nine nine. I mean, three hundred bucks. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, every bit counts in my opinion. So that's nice to hear. Though the quantities for India will be limited, and yes, there is no limited or collector's edition for the game in India either. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, and for those of you wondering about the PC version, yeah, that's October twenty four. So yeah, but. Um, Honestly it's it's interesting to see because this the launch has seemingly been uh, le- uh trouble free there've been a couple of errors people have had trying to get in but by and large it's been quite easy to get in and play hmm okay mike do you care about it uh i'm i'm a little surprised to see some sites call a destiny review like destiny to review in progress after playing only 20 hours i mean that's like barely anything for these kinds of games i don't know i i tend to disagree because the original destiny the entire single player campaign or whatever you'd want to call it was 20 hours max the max uh what's uh what's okay what? so yeah that's the single player campaign yeah. but like you don't buy destiny only for the single player campaign right there's so much other stuff yeah true that's the other part of it right so yeah so like and i'm pretty sure destiny 2 is going to be bigger than destiny 1 like the campaign probably be longer so stuff like that so if you're saying 20 hours there probably take more time here so here's the thing right apparently the number of chapters is is less compared to destiny 1 but i'm sure the length of each chapter is a lot longer and yes i do agree that yes there are other components to it right like the uh like raids like strikes yeah. and raids and strikes are only going to go live next week so honestly i don't see any proper reviews being available at least until uh, the strikes and raids are out or at least till someone's managed to try those and check the netcode out uh, i mean as for us uh, it it also it also begs the question right like uh, how do you how does a game like destiny actually be reviewed destiny to be reviewed because things keep changing uh, you have expansion packs you have updates uh, with destiny 1 they made a very interesting change after the first couple of months where the way you leveled up changed fundamentally 
which made it a lot more accessible for some people. But for guys like me who played from day one, I was a little disappointed because what used to happen was uh, until level 20, it would progress like how you usually would progress where killing more enemies made sure you level up. But after you hit level 20, your leveling up depended on the loot you had and the uh, and the, the light level you had, which is really cool. It, it added an element of randomness to it. But I th- thought it was a very brave move to go that way because you're you're allowing an element of chance. Uh, but then they, they rectified that, you know, because people were complaining. So, I mean, yeah, I do agree. 20 hours, is that enough? I, I mean, like, can you even review, say, like an MMO in only 20 hours? No, that's not there. But then it's not an MMO, right? That's the beauty of it. Oh, yeah. It pulls paths from an MMO. And a yeah, it's a and... shared world shooter. Okay, then. All right, then. Um, any of you want to talk about this Shadow of War thing? Okay, Why so... Why does it exist? <laughs> so, massive rant time, guys. Because, uh, <coughs> massive because rant. If, you, if, if any Simpsons fans are listening, you remember that scene where Homer's on the Alps, like, snow, sliding down with skis, and he's a stupid, sexy Flanders, except it's stupid, sexy Shelob over here for Shadow of War. <laughs> so, <laughs> where do we begin with Shadow of Shilob. War? Yeah, yeah, so... so where the do unsung we, hero. <laughs> so, where do we begin? Uh, okay, let's start from the very beginning. Well, Shadow of War, as you guys know, is the sequel to Shadow of Mordor, uh, which was one of the cooler games of 2014, wherein uh, you essentially worked your way through the orc uh, hierarchy and killed every orc you could find, captured parts of Mordor... Uh, made them your own and then took the fight to, you know, the big bad at the end of it. It was pretty cool, had a great progression system, fun combat. Uh, it was essentially Arkham, uh, one of, like Arkham Knight or Arkham uh, Asylum meets Lord of the Rings, meets Assassin's Creed, which is really cool. Uh, now the sequel, obviously, because it did really well to the point where I, our features editor Gopal Sate, I think, has the game on every platform. Yeah, it, it kind of sunk into him. Is really. that why it did very well? Yeah, um, it, he it, it was it that 20, good. Times. It was that good. <laughs> he bought it. I'm sure he must have done that too. <laughs> so, and maybe Smelarian, whatever. Silmarillion. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I mean, that's what? probably how you'd. Uh, that's probably how your speech would be after you try and read the first page of Silmarillion. <laughs> I don't blame Smelarian. <laughs> hey man, it's not Harry Potter, man. Sorry. So. um when the game was first announced, it seemed really cool. Uh, there were some really there there's some nice additions to the gameplay where you could customize your fortress. You had living you, you had human cities to protect. You had uh, settlements to bother with. You had a, a larger variety of orc classes and bosses to defeat, and it seemed really interesting. But uh, with each su- subsequent showing, it went from bad to worse. Uh, and w- w- they had microtransactions. They added microtransactions in a single player game, which I think is not cool at all and these are microtransactions that let you speed up uh, conquering parts of Mordor which I also think is pretty stupid because at the end of the day uh, why are you charging people $60 or $3499 for a game and uh, selling them DLC and uh, and in-app purchases that let you speed up the process that means your design your game design isn't that hot it means that your, your game isn't as enjoyable as you'd want it to be so that was one red flag then after that, they decided to turn Shelob, who, well, as those of you know, is basically a giant spider, into a, a very attractive woman for some reason. And uh, they decided to call her the unsung hero of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which is also weird as hell. That happened. And uh, if to make matters even worse, uh, now, no, now one of the producers on uh, Shadow of War passed away last year uh, after a prolonged battle with cancer. And uh, Monolith, the studio behind it, decided it was a good idea to include him in the game, immortalize him in Lord of the Rings, if you will. 
in Shadow of War, as you will rather. And they made him this cool character, which basically jumps into battle and uh, helps you out randomly, which is really cool. But what is really, and that's a nice gesture, right? But what's really sad is um, he's available as a $5 paid DLC. All right. Now wait, $5 paid DLC and Warner Brothers is claiming that uh, the, the, that three, or that I think $3 of, uh, uh, will end up going to the, to, to the producer's family. Now, this raises a lot of questions. Like for one, uh, if you want to immortalize the guy, why, do, why, why, you, why, why, is it, why isn't this for free? All right. Secondly, uh, if it's $3, fine. I'm sure Valve takes its cut, which is why. And the app yeah, stores take its cut. Yeah, everyone takes which is Which is fine. Fine. Everyone takes their cut. I'm not saying that's a problem. That's great. Three, three and a half dollars is what you're giving. That's great. But at the same time, uh, how charities work in different states and different countries will actually define how much money eventually goes to this family. So there's also a good possibility it'll be a lot lower. All right. Why take this convoluted route? If you wanna, if you wanna help the guy's family out, why even take this convoluted route? What's what's stopping you? What's what's stopping you from from, from basically the, the family already has a funding page up, right? What's stopping you from matching the the final amount and and or, or doing double than that? Because at the end of the day, charity for companies like WB is goodwill, right? Why aren't you doing that instead? Why are you even charging for this? It's it's not see it's another thing altogether. If this was done by an indie studio, right? Like if you have something like that Dragon Cancer, which was made by an indie team, to uh, th that's another story altogether. Well, yeah, it's a complete game and it's something you're going to charge people for. But here, you're already paying $60, all right? You want to have this goodwill gesture, put it in as uh, for free and match donations, right? Why are you doing this? It's just... And honestly, I have a feeling is that Monolith acted in the right faith, had the right idea, but somewhere down the line, either one of the business guys at Monolith or WB thought it would be a good idea to charge for this, which I think is shady as hell. So it's really poor thinking on Warner Brothers' part. And to be honest, this entire game's pre-release campaign has done nothing but make me not want to play the game. Everything from microtransactions to this stupidity uh, in, in, the, in, the, in, in the name of honoring one of their colleagues to the fact that they've, you know, decided to sex up Shelob of all characters. I don't know what they're thinking here. And honestly, I'm, I'm just very happy Tolkien isn't alive. Otherwise, it would be a lot worse. Hmm. Probably true. Yeah, all right then. So moving on to uh, similarly depressing topics. This uh, player unknowns battlegrounds, like every day I read more and more about it. Seems like some people want it to be the game of the year as well. And uh, there's also something related to it, which I read over the weekend. Uh, which is VG247 had an interview with Mike Ibarra, who is uh, basically been quoted as saying that I think that the console world is really going to wake up when PUBG lands on Xbox by the end of the year. I don't know. So here's the thing, right? Um, for those of you who aren't aware, Player Known Battlegrounds is this uh, game based on Arma 3, which is a popular military shooter on Steam, wherein it Oh, wherein it just puts up to 100 people under this map that keeps shrinking. And it, it, it's an all-out all, all out battle royale. You start out, start off with nothing and then you, you get weapons, you scavenge stuff, you shoot people. Uh, that's essentially what the game is. Now, it took Steam by storm. Uh, I think they hit 10 million, down, uh, 10 million purchases, even though the game's still in early access. Um, but see, this isn't the first time we've, we've seen a big Steam release hit the Xbox. If For those of you who don't remember, Ark Survival Evolved did the same thing. 
and so did Elite Dangerous, if I'm not mistaken. And honestly, I don't. I, those weren't uh, massive successes on the Xbox. They were massive games on Steam, and they continue to be. But on Xbox, they haven't been that big. So I'm not sure that uh, the console crowd will care too much about PUBG, especially because at the end of the day, there's a certain level of polish. There's a certain level of expectation when you're playing on console. And frankly, I've been playing PUBG quite a bit on PC, and I have a pretty decent machine. Uh, an i5 3470, 16 gigs of RAM, a 1078 gig. But the game still manages to go below that lovely 60 frames per second mark. So, and it doesn't look that that uh, demanding either, right? So, and they've said it themselves, they're probably not going to hit 60 FPS on consoles either. So, I, I mean, they said that uh, uh, there was a news article that, oh, we've like in about a day or something, we've already got it running at 30 to 40 FPS on Xbox One X. Yeah. That's not something you should be happy about. That's how it should run on the Xbox One S. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so and, and like I know a lot of people who, when they play on PC, they even play at low settings because uh, when you turn down the foliage and all that, you get to see people hiding behind it. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. A, people actually it's a do thing. that. It's a thing. <laughs> and like, I, what I don't understand is, uh, People spending so much money on those in-app purchases. I mean, the uh, the cosmetics. They're like $300 cosmetics. They're, there's like multiple different kinds of loot crates, which they've added, like loot boxes and all. Uh, they're trying to make as much money as they can right now because even I think they know, like, people are just going to forget it eventually. No, so, and here's where, where it gets really weird, right? At the end of the day, uh, the game was touted not to have microtransactions. That was one of the big selling points at the start. Then they added it in. And then the reason being, oh, that's what the audience wants. But here's the thing, right? The, the microtransactions in PUBG work very differently compared to Overwatch. In Overwatch, as you keep playing, you get loot boxes and you can open them when you can, All right? You can even buy loot boxes and open them. Here, as you play, you randomly get loot boxes, but you have to pay for the privilege to open them. So, I mean, it's a little shady and... Uh, It'll be it'll be fun to see how how far this goes because the way I see it with the ten with ten million people buying the game and an active user base that's past CS:GO and Dota. Yeah, it's like more than nine hundred thousand concurrence now. Yeah, with it with with it being as huge as, as it is, it's ripe for exploitation. And, and at the end of the day, uh, that's probably what's going to happen. Because see, keep in mind one thing: even though the design is is basically the brainchild of Brendan Green, who is AKA player unknown. Uh, this, the the publisher behind him, Blue Hole, uh, is is obviously on board to ensure that the game monetizes better. That's what publishers do. Publishers are essentially great at squeezing every cent possible out of a game. And if this is what they're doing now, and the game is still in early access, it'll be very interesting to see what the full game actually has in terms of how they want to take more money from you. I mean, the full game is like when it is quote-unquote full game and out of early access, it'll launch on PS4 at that time as well. That too. So, uh, I don't know how it's going to do on Xbox, to be honest, because we also have them saying that we're working on adding keyboard and mouse support to all our games and natively to the console. Now, that's not something people want on console. I mean, it's good to have options, but uh, you know how you have these new cross-platform play multiplayer games where you have a nice toggle which lets you switch off PC users? Yeah. They're probably going to need to add something to switch off keyboard and mouse users because who wants to play like Halo, PvP? Versus other people who have an advantage when you just want to relax and play with a controller. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it opens up a whole ca whole new can of worms and uh, how Microsoft decided to sort that out, among other things, remains to be seen. If, if Microsoft, like they're publishing PUBG on Xbox One, if, yes. they're like, if they really wanted to do well and they're really smart about it, one, they do a physical release, like at retail, have it available. Which is not else. going to happen. Yeah. Uh, two, 
they throw in their own teams to help them get it running well because uh, a lot of games which are popular on steam when they come to console they usually do not run as well like uh, pillars of eternity the port is really good the control support is really good it plays really well but it's 30 fps it's a unity game they could have got it to 60 if they wanted i mean like we've seen uh, games that have better effects and look better like diablo 3 have in fact i'd say the console version is better than the pc version because you have controller support and it's offline you're not you don't have always online drm like the pc version yeah. so this i think microsoft should throw in like how sony helps out a lot of indies to get games onto ps4 they should really step in and make sure it runs at least 60 fps on the xbox one x i agree because given how powerful that is and given they have literally nothing else except for forza 7 this holiday season you'd need something else which stands out because everything else is available on ps4 even dead rising 4 which is a pretty boring game in general is not hey, it's pretty PS4. good okay i kind of liked it don't hate just because it's called frank's big package on the ps4 doesn't mean you have to hate dude no it was bad on xbox one it's going to be bad on ps4 i liked it the only thing they have going for them is that it's releasing around christmas which is fun funny because when they released on pc in march they still had the christmas theme and that didn't work out well the game is based around christmas so yeah it is seasonal Yeah no so that's my point you have christmas dlc you have christmas aspects in the game and you release in march no one's going to give a sh- give a shit at that time so true i don't know but that's the thing right so i mean so you have only forza 7 you have cuphead coming out at the end of this month and everything else is available on ps4 yeah but then i have to understand dude halo in 4k that's the big draw i mean do people still care about halo 5 hey what's up yeah i do yeah. i'm one of those and i like, like i don't know like But really yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It, I mean, this is like another. This is like another train wreck in slow motion, in my opinion, because uh, for most people who don't have to pick up the Xbox One X for you know work purposes, there's actually no point buying one. So how Microsoft recover from this? Who knows, man? Maybe by uh, September, maybe by uh, March, April next year, we'll actually see if there are any more games in the works. They claim games are in the works, but Phil Phil Spencer says he doesn't want to talk about them because he doesn't want to announce them too early. Yeah, because. Uh Someone just posted that when they announced the scalebound cancellation, they said that our players will have more games to look forward to, and they named four games. Yeah, out of that, of, one was Halo Wars Two, which released, and the other three are all delayed. Yeah, so State of Decay, yeah. Sea of Thieves, Crackdown Three, Crackdown Three, all delayed. So I don't know what what the game plan is there, and honestly, I I I have uh, very few hopes. So if you're still in the market looking for a console. you might want to think very hard before buying an xbox if that is on your list yeah get a pc is the best xbox out there get there get switch go. dude xenoblade 2 <laughs> yeah that ui though yeah that's what you get for portable so moving on to things dealing with mobile gaming uh, 2k released some rather depressing news uh, earlier maybe last week so wait battleborns 2 got announced <laughs> <laughs> no basically yeah. 2k <clears throat> 2K's track record on iOS and Android has been less than great over the last few years. While they have uh, successfully bought brought XCOM Enemy Unknown and XCOM Enemy within to it, uh, the studios that actually ported and handled the porting of this game and even Civilization Revolution 2 Plus, as far as I know, have been canned. Like it was 2K China, right? Yeah, Shanghai, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, so <clears throat> basically, they don't want to update them. and we saw this with bioshock bioshock got announced for the ios everyone got excited and all just to clarify this isn't the bioshock we spoke about on a couple of episodes ago which was a feature phone game no which this is, is bioshock 1 yeah which is an episode you should totally check out but yeah do continue this is bioshock 1 which did release on ios and uh, 
with controller support it was really good it got pulled and they're not updating it it's dead they said they would update it but mm. it got pulled and it's dead xcom enemy within has been pulled from the app store as well and 2k claim to be claim to have pulled it so that they can fix it and add 64 bit support for ios 11 and bring it back now we've seen this before it's probably not happening it's probably dead they also listed a lot of games which they are just pulling support for like even wwe 2k which was that premium i think it was 7 dollar yeah iOS game that's just pulled now so no more updates and all that they'll probably release a new paid version WWE 2K18 now and start charging every year for it and pull support when the year is up so yeah yeah basically this is really bad because people paid for these games right it's not like yeah like a... the thing about WWE is they released it as a premium game and when you ask for like $7 on iOS that that means you expect support Look at the original Angry Birds. That thing is up to version seven thousand or something now. They still keep adding thing to that, and people who paid one dollar still getting value for that one dollar. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you also have to keep in mind that it makes sense for Rovio to keep supporting Angry Birds because you have an install base. That's also one thing which a lot of uh, publishers have to keep in mind, right? Because if you don't have that active install base, why even bother? So it's a question of you know, do you want to keep that small audience happy, and does the math work out? or if it doesn't work out just let it go okay so they pulled wwe 2k now they obviously have to release a new one this year with 2k18 so they released wwe 2k18 now the people who bought that $7 game last year probably not going to buy it this year there'll be more people who'll probably buy it they'll get burnt over next year and then slowly you're just losing your audience because wwe in general is not as big as it used to be so true but then at the end of the day uh, there's another thing to keep in mind as well right like for a company like 2k this is all unimportant because it's not GTA online and it's not uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 and it's not uh, the NBA games or the WWE games on console which still make up a bulk of their revenues so i mean until that math changes uh, i don't think they're going to care too so you're much you're saying on, until it becomes like how fifa is on mobile where ea actually makes a large amount from there yeah okay i mean though that's how i see it because at the end of the day i mean let's be honest all the big triple a publishers operate on on the same wavelength uh, it's kind of predictable what all of them do i mean you've seen it over the years right first will come a game then will come the dlc then they'll start talking about dlc pre release and then before you know it there are 2 million updates to hell and back and your bandwidth gone to hell and uh, on the mobile they all they, they they all jumped on mobile at the same time look what happened to ea they decided to, to remove dead space from from ios they decided to move uh, mass effect infiltrator from ios and android it's a thing at the end of the day uh, for them the mobile platform is possibly the most disposable of the bunch until they actually find a way to crack it like rovio has or the, or or to a smaller extent the way uh, zynga managed to then I, until it becomes a focus they're not going to care so i mean honestly for for consumers what's important is don't look at the don't expect the bigger companies on mobile to support their game as much expect the indies and those who are native to the platform to give you more support and that's something which is telling because i mean why the hell should you spend your time and money on something that's going to probably die in a couple of years you know i mean you would you rather spend time playing clash royale or would you rather spend time on uh, on a wwe game which you know is going to get canned later because this is how these publishers are So it yeah. just boils down to that. <sighs> All right then. So let's talk about something slightly more uh, upbeat. Yeah. Uh, PS eighteen is almost here. Yeah. So I think it's out uh, September fifteen. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's yes. Pro Evolution Soccer two thousand eighteen, which is the second best football game in the world. What's the best one? Uh, isn't it Championship Manager? 
That's still a thing or what? I don't know. Best on football manager touched hey, by Sega. Championship so basically manager. Microsoft Excel. Yeah. Oh man, championship <laughs> manager comes with Arsene Wenger on the cover, I think. So that's the better game. Oh, so you mean... I thought Arsene was the persona for Joker and persona. For yeah, that's also true. <laughs> so that is... Good Arsene. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, jokes aside, yeah, that's out. Uh, you September mean jokers 15- aside. There we go. <laughs> September 15. And uh, this time around, what's really interesting is Konami claims to have put a lot of support for the PC version where they've re- where they've reworked it from ground up uh it's going to use the same fox engine uh that was there in MGS5 which was a pretty good engine in my opinion uh so the PC guys are expecting full bells and whistles support now for the longest time uh at least prior to the release of this podcast uh there was uh, no price for india it was, there's a full back and forth uh, happening there and there was no it wasn't on the steam database there's nothing and uh, at the time we had speculated that uh, the reason for this is because they're still trying to figure out what price to give india because a lot of publishers as we've discussed in previous podcasts have doubled their prices yes and lo and behold <laughs> like all things triple a publishers this too was predicted and yeah 199 right now mike yeah but uh, you can pre-order it from games the shop they're encouraging people as usual to pre-order the game but it's still not available to view the page in india on steam yep If you click on a link someone gives you to PS18 or even the demo it'll just take you to store.steampower because it's not they haven't set a price or an availability flag for India yet on Steam as of the recording of this podcast. Yeah. So there's a chance if this does not get fixed by the time PS18 releases and copies show up here the code will not work for you. Yeah, which basically means that before we would advise against pre-ordering we yeah. wait for the Steam I we would highly suggest you wait for the Steam page to come up and be visible in India. with a price with a price that's very important otherwise you might just end up with a coaster that doesn't work i mean this has happened to both of us with civilization 6 <laughs> in the past like 2k is one of the worst publishers with region locking they region lock stuff which if you buy something in the uk you won't be able to activate it in france and germany they are that bad with some games and konami is also quite merciless in this regard so uh civilization 6 released here and they did, they got the nice 25th anniversary edition i bought it the code did not work for it until uh the distributor had to like contact 2k and fix it for us so uh the publishers in the uk was happy enough to send stock for collectors editions here but they actually forgot to add india to the registry so yeah uh, just don't pre-order pes on pc even though you'd probably be tempted because it's cheaper than fifa and you don't want to spend more than 3000 on a football game which is going to be outdated in like 9 months so just don't pre-order wait for the steam page if you want pre-order it on steam and it shows up so you have the 2 month the 2 hour refund window because uh, while konami is saying that the pc version is the definitive version it's still a publisher talking so yeah i mean like they said right metal gear solid 5 the phantom pain is a definitive metal gear solid game but where's my chapter 3 where's raiden that so too. Yeah. So yeah, uh it did finally get a price though because it's been up for pre-order on other platforms for a long time. Those you can safely pre-order on because that will still show up. It'll still probably be a very good game, but people over here care only about FIFA. So yeah. and speaking of FIFA, uh some interesting news about FIFA on Switch has happened. A It- demo. What demo? Yeah, they claim there might be a demo on the on too. Switch. Yes. Okay. So uh the acting supervising producer of FIFA in general Yeah that's a thing acting so what Arsene Wenger I don't know spoke to GameSpot and they asked him of whether 
uh, this is the only FIFA Switch is going to get because the Wii U got one FIFA and that's it. That was the end of it. Even the Vita had like four of them, I think. Yeah, but out of four, I think three of them were Legacy Editions. Still, yeah. Wii U didn't even get that. Wii U just got one FIFA game. That's it. So Because Vita means life. Yeah. So he said that uh, they, they are viewing the Switch differently and this is definitely... Uh, there's possibly going to be more FIFA games coming to the Switch and all. Also... They asked why the journey, which is a story mode, the new players, Alex Hunter, is not there in the Switch version because the Switch version was supposed to be feature complete with the current gen versions, but the journey is missing. So it turns out the journey is deeply ingrained in... No, Frostbite is deeply ingrained into the journey and it's built exactly using Frostbite and it's not possible without Frostbite. So they said that until Frostbite makes its way to the Switch, that mode will not be here. Okay, this is this sounds like some next yes. level spin, and next level. Well, I mean, for the lack of the better term, for a, of a better term, pardon my friends, French. This sounds like bullshit, right? Because because Frostbite works on iPad. They've shown off Frostbite. Oh, so works it's not on about iPad. it not running yet. They just haven't ported it to Switch yet because they could get the other other engine running faster. So they said if future versions of FIFA on Switch get Frostbite or they make them using Frostbite, then they'll add the journey. This so it's is, an engine limitation according to them. But this is EA. They're one of the world's wealthiest game publishers. You're trying to tell me they can't put a team together that'll get Frostbite running on Switch. Frostbite was running on the Xbox 360. Like seriously man yeah so basically that's what he said about the journey this is like this is just, if and they also said that if they actually manage updating the game to some extent that depends on post-launch support and a lot of spin happened but uh, basically he was a little optimistic about more fifa games coming to the switch and given how heavily nintendo is pushing fifa on switch in their commercials which say play anywhere where they show rocket league fifa nba and all I expect it to do really well. In fact, it would have been better for football fans if PES showed up on the Switch because most of them consider PES a better game. But just having FIFA is like that brand, like that's all you need. True, but at the end of the day, what's the point? And do you really... Let's talk about a long-term plan here. If you want to have four or five games on the Switch and if you want them to be the FIFA games, put in the features, right? Put in the effort. So yeah, I think if this one does well, they'll actually port Frostbite and FIFA 19 will be... Uh, on par with the PS4 and, oh, at that time, PS4 Pro, Xbox, whatever, in terms of features. But uh, there's one more thing to keep in mind that uh, while NBA on Switch has had some controversy with the physical copy, in fact, uh, if you've been excited at seeing NBA 2K18 on Games of Shop and Amazon.in for Switch, it's code in box right now. So when you buy it for 3499 it is code in box. The actual physical version is going to come later and it'll probably have a mandatory patch because they couldn't fit everything on the cart. Which basically means if you've bought a Switch in India and you only have internal storage of 32GB, we would highly recommend you buy a micro SD card, preferably 128 gigs and above. Yeah. Because uh, you're going to need that space really soon. Reason being, uh, NBA 2K18 is going to be the first of many games that Nintendo has said will use uh, additional storage to complete... Will require an SD yeah. card, essentially, on the box. And what they've, what Nintendo has also said is that while the games on cartridge will be playable, some part of it will be playable, to get the full maximum out of it, the full fat experience, you'll need a micro SD card or storage on your Switch to ensure it can be played properly. This is similar to how when you download a game on PS4 or Xbox One, it has a ready-to-start option where you can just play a bit, like you can play a prologue or something. Uh, given how big NBA is, because I have NBA 2K17 installed on my PS4 and the last I checked it was 63 GB. So 
the switch comes with 32 GB inbuilt. As of now, the listings for NBA have said is 25 GB. Now, 2K saying you need an additional download for NBA on a cartridge version of the game implies they've cheaped out and used the 16 GB card. Or a 32 GB card. No, Maximum. if it's 32, it fits. Not really. It does. Okay. Because uh, Dragon Quest Heroes 1 and 2 in Japan uses up the full 32 GB on the card. Okay. So, yeah. Essentially, the NBA, they've said it's exactly the same visually. It's using the same engine and everything, but it's 30 FPS versus 60. So, that's another thing to keep in mind. Because uh, you're basically paying 3499 for having a portable and home console version because yeah. the Switch is a hybrid. Uh, yeah, that's basically the AAA updates for yeah. Switch because it's getting AAA support this month. Yeah, but also goes to show that I that uh, I won't be surprised if we see a revision of the Switch with a higher internal storage capacity because honestly, 32 GB isn't going to cut it. It might time. not happen. Like if they do it, it'll just be the standard model become 64 because not right now they can't make enough because they're competing with Apple. Yeah, but I think, NAND. I think that's also going to change soon because here's the other thing, right? At the end of the day, from, from a user standpoint, fine, in India, you can pick up a switch for as low as 27, 28,000. But the big problem is finding a micro SD card. A 128 gig micro SD card in India is pretty tough to find online at least uh, to the point where I just ordered from amazon.com and got it shipped via a friend. And I mean, I ended up paying, I think... Uh, 3,000 rupees, which is not too bad. But then local pricing here, you're paying at least double. Yeah. So my point is, what the heck? I mean, you're paying 28 grand for a Switch. You need to spend another 6K for additional storage. Like, wait, like <coughs> I mean, <Vita. coughs> yeah, that's my point. It's like the Vita all over again, man. <laughs> Except, you know, the Vita had more games, but that's another story for another time. Yeah. yeah. All right, then. So I think we should move on to Mike's favorite uh, part of the podcast. But you want to talk about something else before that? I think Rishi wants to talk about Re-Legend. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Re-Legend is a game on Kickstarter, which uh, uh, w- w- which was, uh, which was basically got funded 900% more than what they had asked for. It's essentially Final Fantasy meets Pokemon meets Monster Hunter. And it's this really cool, it's got this really cute uh, chibi art style, really super deformed characters and uh, some really nice art design. And it looks really cool. It's essentially, you're, you're an amnesiac hero who enlists Magnus. Magnus are the game's version of Pokemon to help you do things like fight other enemies, farming, uh, swim underwater and farm underwater. And there's a whole life uh, life simulation aspect to it that lets you meet NPCs, get married to NPCs, uh, buy and sell stuff, trade stuff. So it's, it seems really rather ambitious and pretty cool. And uh, yeah, like I said, the game uh, uh, got a pretty good response and it's probably going to be coming to PS4, Xbox One, Switch and PC. We were lucky enough to speak to the, to the developers last week and uh, it was interesting what they had to say, wherein they were like, uh, you know, uh, their whole thing was, they've been making games for a while, predominantly on mobile. And their logic was, uh, you know, at the end of the day, even though you have 10 million people on mobile, not all 10 million will play games. <laughs> so for us, PC made more sense because there, if there's a PC in a household, there's a good chance someone's at least playing games on it. So that was the mentality they went with on this. Uh, they even felt that uh, well, the game itself, they want to do cross-platform play. They've th- uh, that's something we talked about them at length. And they, they, they've, they've basically said it's something they're working on. But yeah, it's, it's just a question of Sony being nice about it for it to happen. That's literally what they're waiting on. And uh, they even talked about uh, how there could be a physical edition for the game. Even though like their Kickstarter page uh, didn't have any physical edition, they're working with publishers to figure it out. They're probably going to have a publisher on board because even though they got half a million dollars, 
uh, you, they still need a bigger team. It's a team of seven people working on a game that seems super ambitious. And the music's going to be done by the guys who made the music for uh, Final Fantasy XV, uh, which we called unremarkable in our review. Hmm. But uh, yeah, so I'm, but at least the music on the trailer was good. So hopefully that should be fun. But yeah, that seems like one title worth that should be worth looking forward to. Uh, what's really, really cool though is they've added a feature and uh, this is like super nerdy. Oh man, so bear with me on this one. So they have a feature that lets you farm underwater. So you can actually farm algae, seaweed, fish farms, the entire nine yards underwater. And no other and no other game's done this right now. So from a pure life simulation standpoint, there's just be some cool stuff happening on this. Yeah, I wish Age of Empires had that. That would have made all my campaigns so much easier. Farming underwater. I wish Microsoft brought Age of Empires to Xbox One with their mouse and keyboard support instead of bringing mouse and keyboard support with games that don't need them. Yeah. It's going to happen eventually. All right, uh, Mike, let's talk about some games that you've been playing. Uh, too many. Start so, from the beginning. Okay, fine. So first, Pac-Man on DOS was an interesting <laughs> game. Okay, fine. No, so uh, I played Life is Strange before the storm finished episode one twice yesterday. Wait, before the Mumbai floods? What? What floods? You said before the storm, so floods. I don't right? know about any floods over here. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. I was in Arcadia Bay, bro. <laughs> so uh-huh. Life is Strange before the storm is a prequel to the much-loved Life is Strange, which released, I think, two years ago on PS4, PS3, Xbox One, Xbox 360, PC. You play as Chloe Price, sixteen, a 16-year-old version. This takes place three years before Life is Strange. And uh, it's not made by... Uh, I've already forgot. Don't Nod. Don't nod. It's not made by Don't Nod. It's made by Deck 9 Games. And uh, a lot of people were skeptical whether they'd be able to take on this project because uh, Life is Strange has quite the following online. Turns out they nailed it. Uh, Deck 9... And they also changed the engine. Like the first thing I saw when I booted up the game was Unity and I was like, oh shit... But it actually runs well. Production values are insane. Music is fantastic. They got like this full original soundtrack done by this band called Daughter in the UK. And uh, yeah, it feels like life is strange. And there's no time travel, but they added this new backtalk insult mechanic where you insult your way in to win arguments, which mm. kind of didn't work out in some scenes, but otherwise did. Uh, everything's really good. Voice acting, choices matter. They've... Uh, it didn't even have padding except for like one small section which uh, felt like overdrawn or whatever according to me. Uh, I'd say this was as good as anything in Life is Strange and as like blows Telltale out of the water. So, so. basically it's OC but in video game form. The yeah. OC. But no time travel this time. But OC with insulting. Yeah, so pretty that's much exactly the what I wanted to know. So, no time so, travel, right? So then in that case, but then there's no Phantom Planet, right? So what's the point? Yeah. Disappointing. So uh, played that. Uh, other than that, been playing uh, Xenoblade 3D on 3DS for the first time. Played like, I think, 20 hours of it so far. You're early. Yeah. At least I'm playing it though. Welcome to 2011. Okay. But it released in 2014. We. Lol, we. Believe. No one touches that. So, been playing that. It's, it's pretty insane how they've got this basically single player MMO running on a 3DS. So, playing that, music is fantastic. British voice acting, just like Dragon Quest VIII. I don't know why, I've just suddenly picked up another JRPG, which has British voice acting. But what's really cool, though, what's really annoying, though, is the the, the, the level scaling is pretty poor, though. That's what at least I figured. Oh, I you mean, like, uh, in your next area, the enemies are too high or something? Yeah, you die oh, often. Not really. Uh, it, but then, see, here's the thing with that. They've made it 
the QOL improvements are so nice that if you die in a battle, you immediately can restart the battle or you can walk around it. Yeah. So it's not like other games or other JRPGs where if you die in a particular battle, you get you have to reload your save. You're really nicely done. Lots of stuff to do. Basically, it's just like a portable MMO, I'd say, offline. Mm-hmm. So we're playing that. What else have I been playing? I was playing something else. I've already Mario Mario Rabbids. Rabbids. Yes. The How Ubisoft can you forget game. that? Yeah, so... Mario plus Rabbids, unfortunately, uh, they chose Rabbit Mario for the collector's edition. And after playing it, I need a Rabbit's Peach figure because like, yes, you need to actually play this game because there's a boss. And after you fil- finish the boss fight. What? Yeah. After what? you finish a boss wait, fight. Wait, wait, wait. Just what? to break it down for our listeners, if you're not in front of a PC. Okay, Mario plus Rabbids. No, no, no. Ma- fine. You <laughs> might know about Mario plus Rabbids since we've talked about it quite often. It's basically a XCOM meets Mario meets Rabbids. Okay. But the Mario Peach... F- Rabbids figurine I'll tell you itself why. is a rabbit dressed like Princess Peach taking a selfie. Taking a selfie. So after you finish a particular boss fight, you have two options. You can this is not a spoiler. You can either let the boss fall off, or you can do something and the boss pretty much falls off and dies anyway. After you finish a multi-phase battle, <laughs> and while the boss is falling, Rabbit Peach is taking selfies with the boss while the boss is falling, and then after taking selfies, she's like, "Oh, cool, no big deal." just insane wow. so yeah uh it's really good i'd say if you have a switch and you plan on getting this don't play it docked don't play it on tv because uh it needs a few performance patches and visual patches to look good even on a 1080p monitor but in portable mode it's perfect like it suits portable play really well uh while the difficulty options is just like one easy mode option before you start a level it's really good if you like xcom you should get this do not buy XCOM 2 because uh, 2K and Firaxis seem to want to charge $40 for a performance upgrade <laughs> and no, optimization no. and fixes for a game which they released in a broken state to some people giving 9 on 10 reviews. God knows why. Yeah, just don't buy XCOM 2, buy Mario plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle. It has a few flaws, but it's really, really good. So Cool. Playing pretty much that. Next week, I'll talk about Uttaware Rumono. Yeah. Underwater <laughs> Rumono. Yeah, I don't think any other podcast in the entire planet has been as excited as us. I think we mentioned it at least seven or eight times on this podcast already. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I'll go next. Uh, I Since I still have the iPad Pro, the legendary edition, uh, which means the iPad Pro 10.5. Oh, I thought it means you get it three days early and it has Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Anyway, so since I still have it, I've uh, been playing a lot of games on it. Uh, last time I think uh, I spoke about Banner Saga 1 and just starting Banner Saga 2. So I finished Banner Saga 2 as well. Anybody who tells you that it's not as good as Banner Saga 1, just discard that opinion right there. It is every bit as good and you need to play it because, uh, I mean, obviously you played Banner Saga 1 for the story, right? The story continues in there. Oh, With so do your choices carry over? Yeah, they they do, they do. You can import your save file. It's a really simple process. They do it via iCloud and it's been uh, pretty well done. But the same complaints that I had with Banasaga 1 are there with Banasaga 2 as well, which is that the entire game looks like it's been optimized for PC and a mouse pointer and not a touchscreen. So things like you want to move to the next dialogue, uh, then you have to hit that down arrow, which is at the bottom of the screen. Which is really oh, irritating. So they still haven't let you touch anywhere. To no, okay. no. And uh, also things like, you know, choices. Like, uh, you'll have four choices. One, two, three, and four. And they're all like, they look like, um, you know, the font is so tiny that you can only use a mouse pointer to like accurately yeah, hit it. Yeah, this is, this is a problem which uh, a lot of PC to console and PC to mobile games face. Very few of them actually 
think about the ui i don't know why so yeah yeah so i mean i did not enjoy those parts but by and large the story and all went in a really like uh, crazy direction i would say when compared to banana saga 1 and i think they have their kickstarter got funded also for banana saga 3 so whenever that is out and after that whenever they make an ios port i will probably be playing that and finishing it on also. ipad pro 5 at that time probably yeah whatever <laughs> whenever it comes in anyway so other than that uh, since we're speaking about games that made it from pc to mobile and probably lost some of the uh, like important aspects of uh, being there on mobile uh, it's darkest dungeon which is a dungeon crawler uh, role playing game where like you basically uh, go inside this haunted estate with a party of four um heroes and you go in there and you try to kill random monsters who attack you uh, because they have been unleashed blah 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 some stories there it's actually a pretty fun game because the voice acting is really nice in this game uh, all the game mechanics are also like uh, kind of strange because if you play role playing games like most of you are probably used to just uh, like saving every other moment so that you know none of your choices uh, lead to some disasters later uh, but in this game like you won't be able to do that because the way it's designed is that uh you make a bad choice your only option is to run like you can retreat and like get away from the monster instead of continuing the battle uh some of your heroes will actually get affected by this very intriguing thing called the stress system so if your hero stress like kind of increases a lot then they get a disease or like an affliction uh so then they start harming your own people so sometimes when it's their chance to attack uh they will not attack sometimes what will happen is their health is full suddenly they'll get a heart attack because they are so stressed and their health will go down to like one point so that you know one blow and they're dead and uh, you will lose lots of heroes in this game so it's a pretty dark and grim game it's overall. also very difficult yeah like, it is it is difficult like punishing difficulty almost like uh, what's interesting is how they basically turned one minor element from most role playing games which is a status effect hmm. and and created an entire combat mechanic around it which is really cool yeah So uh like the way it works is that it's a turn based thing when it comes to combat as, at least but other than that you just like uh, like just roam around dungeons and like uh disarm traps and uh, battle with some random monsters open chests and things like that um but yeah as you go the stress factor is the most important factor like i found myself getting stressed after playing this game simply because you know no matter how how much i tried i couldn't keep like all heroes stress levels to like near zero in in the dungeon like things just go wrong so you just got to like take that in your stride and keep playing and don't obsess too much over it so my complaint with the pc to ipad port is that once again the text size is too small uh it does not look like it's optimized for the ipad screen simply because there are black bars on top and bottom and it does not even fit properly um the entire screen i think and uh, from a like uh, like it looks good and all i'm not saying it looks bad but once again you know too many elements that look like they are built for a mouse pointer and instead of using the like on pc i think they have this hover mechanic where you can take your mouse arrow on like any menu option and they'll tell you more about it via tool tip or something but over here you have to long touch it so many times i accidentally upgraded something simply because oh. i was tapping it instead of long touching it so yeah it took me some time to figure out but overall it's still a good game and i think it costs 400 rupees on the ipad and totally worth it because there's like some I think at least forty fifty hours of gameplay. It's insane. Like the yeah. like when I saw the price, I thought it was gonna be nine ninety nine, and I was already ready to like convince you yeah. on chat. Like you have to buy this, you have to buy this or yeah. not. 
and then it showed up for half price and i was like i already own it on steam and i own it on vita and ps4 i was like yep i don't need those versions anymore yeah dumb them all like you have yeah. the best portable version like i don't even care if it comes to switch don't need that ipad best version yeah the only thing i could have asked for a slightly better ipad optimization since they're calling It'll it the tablet come edition if it's successful i'm pretty sure it will be successful for hmm. them because they already are working on the dlc for ipad yeah uh, which will probably cost 5 dollars or less it's not going to cost more than the base game so yeah But yeah, like it's just super value for that price. Like it, 2017 been great for iOS gaming. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Anyway, Rishi. So yeah, I've been playing uh, two games. Uh, essentially, Knack 2, which is surprisingly good compared to the 2013 game, which is called Knack. Um, the combat's revamped quite a bit. You have more than three kicks and punches. It's it's quite cool. Um, there's a it's surprisingly deep. The co-op mode is also a lot of fun, where you can basically it's only local co-op, which is again chill. But what's really nice is that you can basically turn your uh, ally into a weapon and stuff, which is interesting. Uh, one or two minor issues, which we covered in the review, which you can check out, it's live right now on gadgetc60.com, which was uh, the fact that the level design some areas aren't that hot. There's this first stealth section, which I'm not a fan of, but that aside, it's a pretty fun game. Uh, so I've been playing a lot of that on the PS4. uh been also been playing also been playing everybody's golf uh and that is well surprisingly good and uh, considering the last golf game i played was tiger woods i think on the ps2 or ps3 did you play hotshots golf on vita no i didn't oh okay. so yeah though that was really bad what was that so game on ios desert golfing was yeah, that yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah point is uh, so i've been playing those two and uh, now basically waiting on getting back home and playing destiny 2 for you know work and stuff so yeah mm. that's been what i've been playing this week yeah is that what you're telling our boss you're playing it for work he knows it aha uh-huh, sure yeah. all right then that's all we have for this week's episode of transition and we will see you with another episode next week as always you can send us your questions comments and feedback via email at podcast@gadgets360.com and you can also follow us on facebook twitter youtube and instagram at gadgets360 the music for this episode comes by magnus solai paulson whose album ppp ppp is where the tracks are from thanks for listening